You're tuned in to the Curated by Podcast. Welcome to the the ninth edition of the Curated by Podcast. Uh, my name is Martin. Uh, together with Rick, uh, we're the hosts. Um, and today we'll be talking to, in my opinion, one of the best MCs in the drum and bass game. Uh, he's been on, around for a long time already and he's shared the stage and studio with many of the biggest names we know in drum and bass. Uh, as you already have seen by the title of this podcast, we are of course talking to none other than Stuart Proctor, better known as SPMC. Welcome Stuart, how have you been man? Yeah, all good. Thank you for having me. Uh, nice to be here, nice to see you guys again. And uh, yeah, look forward to getting stuck in. <laughs> nice one, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, before we get into the interview, I'd like to start off by asking you 10 quick-fire questions which you have to answer with the first thing that pops up in your mind. Okay. Feel free to elaborate, but answer as quickly as you can. So, right. first question, dubstep or drum and bass? Drum and bass. Uh, best set you have ever hosted? Oh, that is it. Right, let me come back to that one. I've got to think a little, you, oh, what, straight that. away. That's a tough one. I'm going to have to skip that and come back. I'm sorry. Okay. That's, too, that's too difficult. <laughs> um, the End or Fabric? The End. Your favourite rapper ever lived? MCGQ. Okay. Uh, North or South London? North. Uh, biggest musical inspiration outside of drum and bass? Um... Oh, that's a tough one as well. Outside of drum and bass. Um, I'll probably say... Oh, Mob Deep. Mob Deep. That's my favourite, outside of drum and bass. Good. Uh, the oddest thing to ever happen during a set? Um, get hit by a glass bottle and have to go to hospital. <laughs> Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Where was that? Uh, that was in Cable. It actually wasn't as bad as I thought. It was more like the shock of what happened. So I don't think it was actually really meant for me. I just think it was just some crazy meant people. Meant for the DJ? No, I don't think it was meant for him either. Because I think we were playing quite a good set. I think it was just more the fact that um, in Cable at that time, they used to get some you know some interesting characters in there sometimes sometimes people come in there just to steal phones and some you know that kind of stuff going on and so i think there was some yeah just some characters in there that night i'm, I'm pretty sure it wasn't well i like to tell my tell myself that it wasn't meant for me because i don't think i was doing anything that bad <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do you but remember yeah, do you remember who you were hosting yeah it was friction and then i have to just like uh it was towards the end of the set and then um Luckily, there was another MC there, IC3, and I was like, look, I showed him my forehead and I had a cut on my forehead with a big lump because it hit me right, you know, clean, right. Dead centre, yeah. Yeah, dead centre. So then um, my girlfriend, who's now my wife, she was like, that's pretty bad. I think you should probably, you know, just give him the mic and let's go and get it checked out and see whether it needs a stitch or not. It was not too big a cut, but it was big lump. But anyway, yeah, let's move on. <laughs> That's not my greatest memory. <laughs> what has been your biggest fuck up in your MC career? Um, oh, I called once at um, Phonox in London. 
I introduced halogenics as hieroglyphics. <laughs> and instantly knew like that I had fucked up. Were they both there or no? No, but you know, they're both on my excuse for this is that they were both on critical at the time. And you know, they've got quite similar sounding names. And um I think yeah, I obviously knew I knew I, knew, I know Lawrence better than I do um hieroglyphics. But yeah, it literally it came out of I think we may, we maybe had even been joking about how their names were too similar. And then, you know, that would probably put it in my mind. And then, lo and behold, the next time I had to say either or either their names, I got it the wrong way around. So, yeah, that was a pretty good one. In front of a good 300, 400 people. <laughs> um, 9085, Critical or Exit? Oh, now that's a tough one. That's a no, hard one. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one. I'm going to have to go with... Uh, exit just because um, I do owe Darren quite a lot um, from just at a certain time in my career um, he helped me a lot where I was kind of coming out of working with Friction on um, and the agency that we were all part of then uh, I was looking to make a move because the music was getting quite commercial that was the era, you know, Pendulum, all this stuff. So I owe quite a lot to Darren uh, for getting me onto ESP agency at the time that had, you know, Darren was on there, Marcus, Calibre, Scotty. And then that really kind of realigned me with the music that I wanted to be emceeing on. So that's the reason. But they're all okay. great labels. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> but um, that's uh, the reason if I had to pick one, I'll yeah. pick Exit. No hard feelings to the other two, huh? Exactly. Come on, yeah. like let's let's keep it. Yeah. It's all family, innit? Yeah, let's keep it nice. <laughs> uh, last question: uh, Your favorite female MC? Oh, at the moment. Um, now, I would have to say, what can this? Is this drum and bass or any or anyone? Uh, Marta, what shall we do? Oh, drum and bass. Uh, why not both? So one for drum and bass and one for general. Um, okay. So if I would say famous fa favorite female DMB MC would either be Deism or Chickaboo, I think, because you know I've seen them both. Yeah. Do you Is like... Deism still active? Well, I actually saw her at um, Outlook Festival. Literally, like three days ago so oh, okay. but I didn't she was I don't know whether she was emceeing I think she was but like maybe you know like not as prolific as she used to be but yeah. she's yeah she's still good and then um, this is what I was going to say like what what came to my mind straight away is that I think the best female MC ever really is in you know because of the tune she made a lot of people don't know the MC side of her but Lauren Hill if you think about the original uh, yeah. Fuji's yeah. albums and you know some of those some of the uh, the raps she did the verses on there are amazing uh, absolutely amazing and you know um, there's some live recordings of her you know some live shows as well that are just mind-blowingly good so yeah we've got to give her credit as well shout her out nice 
Okay. okay. Now look, we got. Is there another oh. question? We're going to go back to this. No, no, set. we can go back to the yeah. uh, to the second question. Best set you've ever hosted. Oh. There's, there's, there's. I've got. There's a lot of memories. It's hard for me to pick one. You know, there's been some. There's been some amazing ones over the years. Um, I'm trying to think. I think right. If I, if we're going to be one that I I don't like listening back to myself ever. So. I, I, I've never been good at that. Um, I'm too kind of critical and always find like faults and where I oh, I shouldn't have said something there. Or I could, yeah. Oh, that was so yeah. Just a little bit too much of a perfectionist to listen back to myself much. But I guess it's, there was a set I did uh, with Calibre at Sun and Bass, which I think was 2011. Now I think that one that was the only year that I won Best MC at the drum and bass awards and i've never really been one to kind of like ask people to vote for me or uh, you know you know or like you know go on my social media like vote for me vote for me all of that kind of <laughs> stuff uh so i think maybe if i'd have done a bit more of that i might have been in with a shout a couple of other times but that year was the year that i i actually did win it and i think that was a big part of a big part of uh, that happening was the fact that I'd done that set I think what September 2011 it would have been and then the awards the awards I think you, you vote in November and then you know the, the, they, they decide in December so I think you know that that recording came out literally perfect time and it is a good set you know it was mm-hmm. it, 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 it's it's definitely up there and the fact that it's recorded people can go and have a listen now you know um, but there are other ones that are you know, like just great memories, but I guess that's probably a good one to pick because people can then go and listen to it now if they want to, if they have not heard it. But, Is it on um, SoundCloud or YouTube? Yeah, I think if you were to just put in Calibre and SP, Sun and Bass, because it's not, it was, it was a weird one anyway. I was quite, I was under pressure because it's always, it's always been Calibre and DRS, right? At yeah. Sun and Bass. Yeah. And then um, Dell couldn't make it that year, and. He he wanted me to do it, um, and Caliber wanted me to do it. But the problem was there were love, there were other MCs out of Sun and Bass, and they were all like circling around like, that mic, like, yeah. like vultures. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like there was a pressure on me where it was kind of like no, like this is you know like these guys want me to do it, and I think I felt that as well. But, it, it, you know, sometimes a, a bit of pressure in a situation can be good for you in terms of how you perform. So, you know, it's never a bad thing, really. If you're too relaxed, maybe, you know, you don't, you're not going to perform to your best potential. So, no, it was it's a good memory as well, because I think, you know, afterwards, Dell listened back to it and he was like, yeah, that's why I wanted you to do it in my absence. Do you know what I mean? So I did a good cool. job. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I couldn't. Good story. You, that's Good one of, story. No, but that's one of those. That's one of those situations where it's really hard to just instantly pick. Of course, it. yeah. Yeah, because there's there's a lot of sets, man, over the years. <laughs> <laughs> like you said, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not just got here. It's Twenty years, nearly now, man. Twenty years. But ain't nothing. <laughs> uh, yeah, those were the ten questions. Thank you. Yeah. All right. So yeah, to uh, to kick things off. Um, we would like to take you back to when you started out in the scene. Um, we'd like to know a bit more about you as a person, where you come from and how it all started for you. So where did you okay. grow up? 
Um, I grew up in Essex. Um, I grew up like in the countryside, actually. So, um, yeah, my dad's a farmer. So I grew up in a village, like, <laughs> you know, um, but I was always into music from a really young age, like as soon, you know, uh, from probably nine, ten years old, I was into music. And then the age that I am, I'm, I'm 42 now. So if you imagine when I started secondary school, um, it was the early 90s. And everyone, you know, the older kids at secondary school all had Walkmans and tapes already. Yeah. And some of my, uh, I didn't have an, any older brothers or sisters, but some of my friends when I started secondary school had older brothers or sisters. And then, you know, we started getting our hands on tapes probably when we were like, I don't know, yeah, 11 years old, something like that. Mm. So that would, that would have been what? Yeah, 91 or something. So it was like the start, the kind of the rave the rave, you know, like um, Acid House, well, it was past Acid House, it was more like rave, hardcore music. Um, Carl Cox, um, Rat Pack, um, stuff like that. And then um, obviously there were some, some of my friends, um, older brothers had decks and that as well. So like, I just got obsessed by the whole, that whole culture. Very yeah. young. Yeah, very young. Uh, and... Yeah, that was the start of it, really. The start of my kind of musical journey, I guess. So you said you were very young when you got into music. Uh, was that because of your parents? Are your parents musicians or are they no. into music? Yeah, like, you know, like, there's certain music that my mum and dad used to play in the car that I, I liked, but it was more just like um, through my friends. Yeah. I remember, I remember like getting really into like the Michael Jackson albums. Like, I think, you know, how, I can't even remember how I got hold of them, but I had them on tape. Um, yeah, I was a big tape, tape guy and I didn't, you know, I didn't really buy vinyl until I started meeting people that were DJing. Yeah. And then occasionally, you know, we go record shopping together and I might buy some, but I was just big in the tapes, man. That was what it was really at the time when we were young. So, you know, like recording stuff off the radio as well. I used to be able to just get Kiss FM, which mm. was, um, you know, every Wednesday. And I think it was Sundays as well. You'd have like um, Randall, Hype, Bookham, you know, and you'd be able to record those shows and then stick them in my Walkman and go and listen to them for the next week, then record another one, then, you know, just constant, just just stacking up a library of music from early really I was you know always like a bit of a I don't know um, a collector but yeah. not like really a vinyl collector like just <laughs> I've still got well, them I've still got like I got I got um, like an old um, cupboard basically what would you call it yeah an old bit of furniture that's just full of tapes Nice. Like, don't, don't check them out ever man no 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 like uh -uh. <laughs> it's, in, it's interesting sometimes to to listen back and just stick one on because you'll just be thinking oh god I remember like I remember having this tape in my car you know like over maybe yeah 20 years ago nearly 25 years ago and yeah. like re remembering specific ta um, tapes that, you know like ma we used to make our own tapes I don't know whether you guys used to do this you know if you had a had a a, a, a twin cassette you could obviously then you know like create your own ones and um, yeah, we used to do that, like create our own little mixtapes and whatever of our favourite songs. Yeah, good memories, to be honest. Yeah. But when you listen to the 
to the tapes of the DJs? Were you more focused on the DJ or on the MC? I think initially I was just really interested in the music. And then the, the point where it changed was, and this is why, why in your quick fire questions, you asked me about my biggest kind of MC influence. And I said GQ and like, I could see you're a bit like, oh wow, I thought you might have said, you know, some, I don't know. Rapper, like, yeah, like a yeah. big fate, you know, like a big, you know, like a uh, an international star, like Buster Rhymes or I don't know, someone like that. Mm-hmm. But, but it was GQ that started my whole kind of like fixation on MCing. So, that was like the the AWOL tapes. I don't know if you're familiar with those. Yeah, the, the, the AWOL sessions that were at, I think they were Paradise Club initially. And there they were. It, was, it started at Paradise Club and then went on to Ministry of Sound. But yeah, it was, it was AWOL nights at Paradise. When and it was, was this? Started, I think, 93 and ran through to about maybe 95 96 at paradise which was in islington in north london yeah and uh then it went on to ministry of sound which is south london um but yeah the you know in the uk you speak to a lot of people i mean even i think that the awol tapes were massive in uh canada as well in toronto the like i think if you speak to gq and certain people they were going out internationally just off the back of those tapes as well um but yeah it was you you ask it it was the kind of like um an introduction for a lot of people those and because you could buy the packs you could buy the whole night right so it would be like uh six six pack six um cassettes and g and gq would host the whole night so he used to do like eight to ten hours each session by himself but what what i what i liked about that was he had to mc slightly differently so it was maybe a little bit less uh it's more hosting you know yeah, 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 but it's yeah. that style of emceeing now and i took i took great influence from that you know um yeah like a big inspiration big inspiration so um yeah, it was in 93, 94, you said. Um, how yeah, old were was, you back then? Yeah, like 15, probably, 16. But I was, I, I was, well, not, yeah, I would have been 14 in 93, but, but I didn't start writing lyrics till probably, I don't know, yeah, when I was 16, 17. Mm-hmm. And then we, I used to MC at like my friends' house parties and stuff, you know, because a couple of them were DJs. And like before we even like started playing in nightclubs it was like house parties where like someone's mum and dad went away for a week or abroad <laughs> or something <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know and uh you know you gather up the local troops and uh yeah those, those are good memories i've actually got some tapes of those as well but nobody's ever gonna hear them because they're no. really oh. we're talking about really bad like really bad <laughs> but this was this was the era i mean and i think if we spoke to a lot of other MCs if they were, if they were honest, you know, we kind of, st- a lot of us started off doing other people's lyrics. Do you know what I mean? Cause like, it, it, it's always, that's the, often the case. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, you start off inspired by people. And I remember, yeah. I remember at those, um, at those house parties, 
I used to do like other MC, other jungle MCs lyrics because I was like, nobody even really knows here. Like, I was on that one initially. And then obviously when it started later on, um, we started, there was a night called um, Subway in Chelmsford, which was kind of the biggest town near to where I grew up. It's about 20 miles from where I grew up. And um, yeah, I met those guys. And um, then I started hosting that night. And luckily for me, I did the same kind of thing that what GQ used to do at AWOL. So I was the only MC and I used to MC like five, six hours. Yeah. And that was my, and that was like, um, looking back at it was like an amazing opportunity because I think most MCs will get, when they start out, they get a set and that's it. And then you've got to wait again, maybe a month, two months for another opportunity, but you're only getting an hour at most. Yeah. But like I was, we would we would do a monthly a monthly party, and I'd get to MC like minimum four or five hours. So then that, you know, it kind of helped um, teach me about, you know, how to host a night for a longer amount of time, which I still enjoy more than doing an hour, because you have to you have to approach it differently. Yeah, same so, with DJ sets, right? Usually. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, mm-hmm. you got you got to you don't want to you don't want to um, what's the right word for it kind of peak too early do you know what I mean it's the same with a DJ set right if you're playing for four hours you don't want to play all your best tunes in the first half an hour no. um, so yeah it's definitely like you say Martin like, there's similarities with the with playing a longer set it's, yeah. and it's about learning and you know about it's more about timing and reading the crowd so yeah that was all instrumental in kind of me developing my style so i would say those two things were very important very yeah. important would you uh, consider yourself a real raver back in the time oh yeah i think i am still to an extent i think i mean if you uh, i i i think i'm still very enthusiastic about the music and then that that translates through do you know what Definitely, i mean if yeah. I, um yeah, like, um, I, I think um, that's an important string to my bow, definitely. Like, I, 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 I'm a music lover, first and foremost. Do you know what I mean? Before before anything else, before an MC, um, you know, before, you know, taking it seriously as a profession. Fundamentally, I am a big music fan. You know, always will be always have been so and I think that that um, stands me in good stead as well with me kind of branching out from MC and you know like I said like you asked me about the dubstep thing obviously I've I've been involved in that scene for not from the start but for like 15 years and now with my label I'm making different music again that's all to do with you know my love for it you know and wanting to explore and you know not just be stuck on one road the whole time you know there's lots there's a whole world of music out there so it's good to travel that's my kind of like yeah <laughs> there's a world of music man so like why would you want to <laughs> why would you want to stay in one country your whole life like it's yeah. all about it's, it's a all shame about to have experience. vision in music right yeah well and you know what the thing is though it's an in, that's an interesting conversation because 
you know, um, there's a lot to be said to to focus on one dis- discipline for one t- for for an amount of time, because, you know, it's hard. It's hard to become good at something without really focusing on it. That's true. But the, with all with that being said, like there comes a point when it's good to explore, and then may, maybe you can reference back into the music. Do you know what I mean? And I think that I think drum and bass maybe suffered from that at certain points because it became too self-referential where, you know, everyone making drum and bass was only all they, all they, yeah, yeah, the younger, yeah, that all they know is drum and bass. So, yeah. you know, like if you look at why jungle was so, was so amazing, it was because there were people from all different, you know, uh, races, cultures, bringing different influences in, um, so yeah, that's it's an important thing. It's an important thing to keep in mind. Do you know what I mean? Like, spread your wings musically. Even you don't have to go and make different music. I'm not saying that, but make sure you listen to everything, man. Like, keep your ears open. Yeah, you might get inspired, the, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So sorry if I'm wandering off topic oh, here. Oh, that's. Bit, right? so that, no, this is what. This is what always um, happens uh, in uh, when I get interviewed. Like my train of thought is like well, quite that's good. Wiggly. Yeah, that's what we <laughs> wanted, man. So okay, we, we wanna wanna get to know you. So all good. Yeah. Um, so was it yourself who introduced you to uh, to drum and bass and jungle by going to the record stores, or was it someone else who first showed it to you? Oh no, it's definitely like I could say going back to um, school school days and. Um, being past tapes and yeah. then from 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 having past tapes going what's this like this is this is amazing then you know taking it home listening to it at home my mum and dad telling me to turn it off because it's like you know I'm, I'm like 13 14 or whatever and it's I don't know 10 o'clock at night and I've got school the next morning they're like mm-hmm. come on knock it off you know and I was silly as well like I used I'd, I'd buy speakers off other people and I had like pretty big speakers in my room from early so you know I was always getting like told to turn it down I was one of those kids but you yeah, know it it was um yeah it was a love of um a love of those you know mixtapes live recordings from from um from raves and club nights and then from that you know then going to the record shops because we used to buy we used to buy um all the tape packs from the record shops. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was uh, it was that that um, that really set set everything in motion. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you've been you you'd been uh, emceeing for a while back then. Um, how did you get your break? Uh, when how did you get put on first? Do you remember where that was? Yeah. So that was again. This is what I mean. My story is quite interesting, really. Um, this is totally by chance as well. That um, through um, well, I met Jube, who you must be must be familiar with. Of course, yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he moved um, locally to where I lived in Essex. His family moved, and then one of my friends I went to school with was like, "There's this guy." Um, you know, we I think we'd left school at this point. We were like 17. Um, Maybe I was still. Uh, I did my. I did A levels after GCSEs. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's all around that time. Like I was either just about leaving 
yeah, I would have been, I think, maybe 17, so I was still doing my A-levels. But um, then I went, I went on to be, uh, do an apprenticeship in graphic design. So it was all around that, around that time. And um, I met Jube uh, through a friend saying, look, there's this guy who's just started working with me. He's a really good DJ. And then um, me and Jube um, started doing mixtapes together. And then through another friend uh, that was living in London, was like, I know somebody who knows MCGQ, right? So like, and that's like my hero. Do you know what I mean? Like, so I'm thinking, wow, we've got to try and get a get a tape to him. And this was around the time when the CDs were getting bigger. So then we could, we were actually like, we're not going to do a mixtape. Like, we'll do a mix CD. You know, my mate's got a CD burner, which at the time was like pretty high tech. <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, you it's know, now so forgotten we, uh, in 2022. Yeah, exactly. No, it's funny. <laughs> no, oh, but it, I've ruined so many CDs. Oh, same. Uh, Unbelievable. <laughs> it, exactly right. And it sounds funny now because of the amount of money you can, uh, sorry, the amount of music you can put on a USB or something like that. But it's insane. Back it's in those, yeah, back in those days, um, uh, having your own mix CD made you feel like, wow, like, like we're really serious out here. Do you know what I mean? Check out my CD. It's got me on it. You know what I mean? Like, anyway, yeah, we got that to GQ and um, he liked it, um, which was amazing. And everything kind of fell into place around that time it was pretty crazy um off the back of that mixtape gq had his label at the time was still running now um but at the time it um it was mc recordings it's, you know it's still the same label um but at the time i think they'd just done a maybe just done their first release which was quite a big tune by guys called cybin and a lot of the um, would say like the darker style was coming in so like people like bailey and fierce these guys were all playing that tune um so then gq had uh, a monthly night that was just starting you know like so the timing was just crazy because he was just gonna start a night in london and he needed some residents you know like warm-up basically mm -hmm. And so he got me and Jubez to start doing the warm-up. And this was at Dingwalls in Camden, which was, you know, where Metalheads was at the time. You know, after, um, you know, I think Blue Note had finished for quite a while. But yeah, yeah. Giles Peterson had a, had a night exactly. there. Exactly, that's yeah. right, yeah. Giles had a night there. Um, I mean, there was a lot of good music on at Dingwalls. It was, it was already like an established venue, good sound system. You know, I had the bar at the back, had a good sized dance floor. So, and then that was the next step up for me. That was, um, you know, suddenly it's like I've got a, a link to somebody who's already so established and respected, you know, in GQ and somebody that I looked up to immensely. So, yeah, and then from, from, from that, once I think he maybe heard a bit more of me emceeing in a club rather than just on the CD, he got me onto Unique Artists, which was the biggest agency at the time. Everyone was on there, you know. It was like uh, Andy C, Bad Company, Ed Rush and Optical, 
the like and MC wise, um, a lot of the big MCs were on there as well. GQ, Rage, Flux, Fats. Um, but but did he did he help you? Yeah, to he, develop yourself as an MC. Um, I think he he did, did he teach you something. Like yeah, I, I mean, I learned. This is what's crazy. Like what I was trying to say earlier, I feel like I learned a lot of him just by listening to him before I even met him. In terms of like timing and how to host a set so he was never really he never really told me much in terms of like how to MC or what to do in that sense but he got me onto unique artists um which obviously then um around the same time as well um i met friction as well so there was just a lot going on at that time and yeah. it was it looking but looking back at it it was very fortuitous how things fell into place you know and I'm sure you you know sometimes in life that happens and you just think right you know you meet people at the right time and everything but I think it's also down to really wanting something you know so yeah. if you really want to do something you kind of create your own luck as well and that like it, it, maybe it's a mixture of both a bit of a bit of like creating your own luck and then a little bit of um, you know fortunate timing but yeah so really from um From being um, an apprentice, I was I was still working as a uh, graphic designer pr apprenticeship um, in Essex or yeah, like in, London at yeah, the time in Essex. And then around that time, I was like, "Now this is my opportunity." So um, I moved to London, gave up my job, my apprenticeship. Okay, um, I had like a little bit of money saved, like not much, but a little bit, and was like, "Right, well, I've got to try now." to just put everything into MC and you know so you know um just investing all my time in it really writing lyrics trying to get better trying to um trying to um establish more relationships in the scene because back then there wasn't the internet wasn't really there we're talking about 2001 2002 so i think maybe the internet existed but nobody was really using yeah, it were they back then We had MySpace, or well, I think MySpace was more like maybe two yeah. yeah, four, five. So yeah. yeah, like, but like the real start of my career, like I can remember it, like because we still used to like get our itineraries for gigs, yeah. and there was no, there was no sat, the sat navigation. Mm -mm. You know, no, there wasn't even like a you know, the old school sat nav that used to stick on your window. You used to have to print out the directions. <laughs> you know, yeah, new, on yeah. on paper, and then like have a fucking roadmap, and like be driving around looking for the A three one one nine or whatever. It was yeah, like yeah, that's 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 how we went to raves. It yeah. was looking for that spot somewhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. seeing cars stopping at a in a roundabout. Like everybody, where do we have to go? <laughs> exactly. So yeah, it was it was an interesting time because you really kind of got to know people mm -hmm. by going out. Yeah, you know, showing your face. Um, yeah, which was, it, I mean, it's still, it's still the right way to meet people, anyway. I think, you know, but um, you know, you don't really know someone until you meet them in the flesh. But obviously, it's very different now. You can make tunes with someone on the other side of the planet, and you yeah. never meet them, you know. Which it's, is just, it's hard to. I mean, I mean, if you told somebody that when I was young, you just, it'd be hard to even comprehend it. But um, and I mean, I don't mean you. What what blows my mind is like making a tune with somebody 
on the other side of the planet live. You know, like you're both, you know, you, sh you got both your mouses on in a DAW. That's crazy, man. Yeah. That's crazy. You because ping it for over a while, in a second. Yeah, yeah. And for a while it was more like, you know, you'd have to send somebody stems, then they work on it for a day and then send it back to you. But yeah, technology, man. <laughs> what, 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 like, is it easier to, uh, to, to get famous nowadays? Like, what you said is like, you, you need to go to parties, to record shops, buy music, to be everywhere. You don't have to be everywhere nowadays. Um, so you can send somebody a message, or is it? What's... Yeah, of course it is. I think if you're being, if you're going to be honest, um, but I mean, it is what it is. So I, w I wouldn't hold it against anybody young now that is afforded an opportunity and is suddenly, you know, up um, on the big stage and flying because maybe they make one good tune, or um, but you know, you can that tune can just spread so much more easily with the internet, right? Whereas back in the day, even if you had a big tune, you have to get it to the DJs first. They have to play it. Then it has to go onto the tapes. Then the people have to buy the tapes or the vinyl. And it's like, it's so, it was so much of a more steady, organic process. Whereas now with the internet, you know, something goes viral, right? If you get if you get a tune and it and it starts flying around on TikTok and Snapchat and whatever, it's, you know, like we got it at the moment. Yeah, we got it at the moment in the UK with some of the the young uh, MCs that are on like drill music, the drill MCs, that, and it's like they're going viral. You know, like an audio. You know, like they can put a clip up and it will have I don't know five six million views in this, in twelve hours. It's insane. Crazy. Yeah. You can reach so many more people than you used used to be able to. Exactly. So yeah, we're living in a different world now. Mm, definitely. It's but like talent stands out. If an MC is a, has qualities, then he stands or she stands out. But what makes a good MC? Um Well, I think it's there's different types of MC, right? You know, um like I, I always consider myself more of um an MC, in, in terms of me, as what most people know me, SPMC, the guy who stands on the stage in front of or behind the DJ. Um, I am an MC, not really an artist. I do the occasional, um, you know, uh, feature on tracks. Yeah. But I'm not. I'm not like someone like, say, for example, DRS. He's like he's putting out so much more music. He's more comfortable in that lane um, than I am. Um, but why, I enjoy, are you, I enjoy, why are you not comfortable? I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not as. I'm a better MC than I am studio MC. Mm. Do you see what I mean? And yeah. I enjoy it more. I enjoy it more. Um, but I do like if I hear the. I think it goes again to me. Like I'm maybe too picky with the the, the beats. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of producers will tell you, oh, I sent SP a tune and he was like, oh, it's all right, but no, it's okay, I'll give it. So um, I just try and wait for the right ones, really. Yeah. Um, and then if I like something, I'll do it that way. But, you know, like going back to Rick's question, like what makes a good MC? That's a big, that's a big question because I think it all comes down to taste. You know, it's down to the listener's ears, isn't it? It's totally subjective. Mm. And, you know, um, 
what I, if you were to ask me personally, you know, that's just my opinion on what makes a good MC. And the thing is, it's it's like saying what makes a good pair of jeans, you know? Like some people like skinny jeans, some people like baggy <laughs> jeans. Like it's and it's totally subjective. I don't know whether that was the best analogy, but um yeah, for me what makes a good MC is you know, in my world, like the drum and bass world that I operate in most regularly, I I appreciate MCs that know when to let the music breathe and have uh, a sensibility towards timing and I'm happy to play support to the DJ which I think some MCs you know they want to be you know like we all want we all want to get um recognition but I think a lot of people prefer to hear the music yeah. primarily and have an MC support it and that's what how I feel as well yeah so Whereas I think some MCs are more like, look, you know, like, we're the guys. You know what I mean? And it's confusing because, you know, if you're a hip-hop fan, it was always about the MC and then the DJ's behind, right? So if you're a hip-hop fan and you're also a drum and bass guy, then that can confuse you. Or if you're into grime, that can... But, like, I'm I'm maybe old school, to say, the, to say you know, like... But I, um, I kind of respect where it came from and I yeah. still like listening to those those old sets from the 90s where it was the it was the music w- was the main attraction and the, and the DJ stood behind the music because the music was just what everyone was re- essentially there for right what like would you, the, um, what, you know what would you say is the balance between the DJ and the MC well it it's it's again it's very subjective but like the, the people that I I enjoy uh, MCing for the most like we have an understanding but we've built that up over time right yeah so like for example at the weekend um, there was the start of the exit residency at Phonox so we're doing the next four or five I think five Saturdays at Phonox in London and it was um, we had a uh, Leflo warming up. But, um, I wasn't emceeing for them, but that's Fixate and his friend, but they're like kind of 140 stuff. Yeah. yeah. But then it was um, me and Breakage for an hour and a half, then me and D-Bridge, and then me and Jube. So it was four and a half hours I did with three of my like favorite DJs. Yeah. So we all have an understanding, you know, like, and, you know, we can just maybe look at each other sometimes and he's going to, he, like, he'll know that, that, I know that look means, right, I'm just coming out of the mix now, you know, like, this is where we, and then, then you can come and start and it's going to sound best, do you know what I mean? Because the mix is finishing here and stuff like that, you know, like, all of those little things, but that comes with time, man, you yeah. know, that comes with time and experience. So they, um, but you don't, you, you don't know what they, what they're going to play. Or no, but that's yeah. the, that's the that's all part of the fun as well, isn't it? And being able to adapt, uh, kind of on on the spot. But you know, sometimes I know what they're going to play a little bit. Like where, for for example, Breakage is now at a stage in his career where he can play an hour and a half, and it's 95 percent his own productions. So I know some of those tunes already. And even even the new ones he's made, maybe he, you know, uh, 
he sent me it already so I can rec I've I've always been good at recognizing the music really quickly as well that's the kind of train spot side of me you know yeah 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 like how do you, you prepare for, how do you prepare for a gig so you, you play with breakage then how do you do I'm not an MC so explain yeah. it, please well no like now like um unless maybe like it's very like um uh, a show where we're maybe out of our comfort zone a little bit maybe like a big festival and we're coming on after i don't know maybe not even drum and bass we're coming on after a house guy or coming on after like we've even done it where we come on after a band or something and um yeah then maybe we do a bit more preparation where it's like i'm gonna ask like right what are you gonna start with like what's the what's the first few tunes so then i feel a little bit more confident at least right okay the first 10 minutes I know roughly what's going to happen so then I can think right okay maybe okay yeah I've got a rough plan of what I'm going to say or what I'm going to do but um normally with the club shows like it's all about the spontaneity of it and then you know again like uh the best DJs you know they they don't plan their set you know they're going to come in there and they've got enough music to adapt yeah. so okay like ah oh, I didn't realize so let's say for example you know you think you know what the guy before you is going to be playing then they're like oh right the crowd wasn't really very responsive so he's ended up playing harder than I expected so then it's like right okay uh, like this is me speaking on behalf of my DJs yeah, yeah. my favourites because I know this is how they work it's like alright okay cool so he's gone a bit more crazy than I expected so then here you know um, um, do I try and match that you know do I try and come in hard and maintain it or do we do like a what a lot of my friends call it like the reset yeah, yeah. do we do that let's bring reset. it back down yeah bring it right back down mm -hmm. and they're off there, that's often you know uh, the winning mentality yeah. for us anyway because it gives you more identity you know and people will remember it because if you're just if someone's playing really hard and then you come in and try and match it you're just kind of like continuing from where they left off right whereas if you're if you're gonna but then that comes down to having um, a bit of confidence and balls maybe you know like <laughs> to be like right okay it's cool full reset you know full let's um, had to do that recently with Calibre we played at um a show in Bristol and the guys before us were playing pretty hard but you know that what Calibre's not going to try and come in and play hard he's going to do his thing right so yeah. it's like right it, and it was great because initially the crowd were unsure because I mean everyone knows Calibre they know who Calibre is and what he does but the crowd was still a little bit like I can, you know you, I, I, I've got good at you know reading crowds and understanding what they're thinking really And you can, you know, you can tell by how much they're moving. Yeah, it was <laughs> really. Up top. Yeah, and um, but it, you know, you think, right, we've got we've got an hour. It's fine. Like, don't panic in the first five ten minutes. We've got an hour. So, and then often for me, they're the more rewarding sets. You know, like where you get to build it up. Yeah. Back, to, back, build it all the way back up, and then by the end of the hour or by the end of the 90 you got it back to the same energy that they had it in but you know you've you've yeah. you've you've took them on more of a a little bit of a journey rather than just trying to you know 
Bang, bang, bang. <laughs> but when you prepare for a gig, you write new stuff? Yeah, well, like, yeah, like sometimes it will be a thing of, like recently uh, I've been working on a couple of uh, like new lyrics for tunes. So like I've got um, one for with Break. For he, uh, Break, I'm going to do another tune with Break. And then something else with Halogenics as well, where he's been sending me ideas. So like, I've got a few things at the moment that are like, they may be not even fully finished. Mm. And this is what's cool like as well. Sometimes I can like have maybe half or three quarters of a finished lyric, be it like 16 bars or 32. And I'll just try and um, challenge myself to like, um, say I've written half of it already right I'm gonna perform that in the club and then when it gets to the half I'm gonna carry on I'm gonna have to you know freestyle yeah. it and then maybe that will and then sometimes it might go a little bit wrong but I'll always style it out I don't think people will really ever recognize oh he's really fucked up there but I, I can freestyle I can freestyle it enough on the spot to get myself out of a corner but maybe that will give me you know when you get put under a a little bit of pressure like that, that will force your brain like to to create the next bit. Mm -hmm. So then often, like uh, like quite often, you might see me. If I get my phone out, it's more often than not to write an idea down than it is to look for a lyric. Because some MCs are look, oh, they're going to go on their phone because they uh, wrote something like, oh, before. Shit. Yeah, they wrote, they've written something before yeah. that they can't remember. But more for me, I'm going to get my phone out and quickly type something in and then put it back in my pocket because I'm like oh I just had a, a good idea and you, you know for me a lot of my best like, the good ideas come in the club or at first you know at, at, in a live experience rather than when I'm sat at home trying to write in the studio so that's why I say again I'm more I'm naturally more of a a live a live MC than a studio MC that's all where I think I've always been best and uh, you performed uh, together with Icicle at the first curated by party, curated by Nympho. That was a live set with yep. all this equipment. Yeah, that's right. That was from A to Z all prepared, I guess. Yep. Or was it also freestyle? Well, no, like, uh, obviously, like, the track with, that I did with Icy that was on the first album, Dreadnought, that's going to be, you know, that I, I have to do that exactly like the original. But then some of the other stuff, like the 140, if you see like the, the lyrics that I did at, at one show, might be different to to another one. Okay. Yeah. You know, like so, it's 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 probably that. that but it, again, like you asked the question, like um, I mean, it was quite a while ago, but I'm pretty sure how it would have been was that there are certain tunes that I will have certain lyrics for. But then this part of it as well is um, just, you know, um, freestyle. Just depending on how how the how the show's going, yeah. do I do I do I need to put a bit more energy in here, or if it's just flowing and everything's nice, I'll just ease back and mm -hmm. just let the music let the music roll for a bit. So it's always best to try and adapt to the situation, you know, rather than have it fully prepared. I think. So, so you're not an MC that can perform in a. You can maybe be in a band. 
It's like Ronnie Size represents you get dynamite in the in the in the band or London Electricity Live with Wreck. Yeah. Are you that is that I even, something you, know what you would I, like to do? Well I actually did uh I did a few shows with uh London Electricity back in the day. So it started out um I think it originally was Stamina who started MCing with London Electricity. Yeah. yeah. And then um I did a few. Um, I remember I had to go for an audition. This was That's serious? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I did a few shows and then Rhett came in. But I think the problem was with me was that I had too, I had too many gigs with Friction to be a regular part of that show. Mm. So, you know, they were trying to get me on more and i was already booked somewhere else yeah. because me and Frick, in that era the early 2000s me and friction did a lot of shows man like it was pretty crazy at that time i look back at it now as a 40 plus year old and it like because um i can show you one sec if i get like the you know this doesn't go it's not going to work for the podcast but i'll show you quickly yeah sure right uh, uh these are all calendars yeah right <laughs> okay so <laughs> So you're, for the listeners, all you're showing yeah. calendars. Yeah, all my gigs look. From <laughs> so your, your, your agenda was not digital, was all in calendars. Yeah, so what I just thought would be a good idea back... Um, yeah, what I thought would be a good idea back in the day was like... Like you were saying with your photo book, right? Yeah. yeah. When I'm older, I, I should write down... You know, I always had like a calendar in the kitchen anyway. And uh, I was like, I should just start writing my gigs down on here. Like, because obviously, like, yeah, it's just a cool, it's, just, it's a nice bit of memorabilia. And it, it, every now and then I look back at it quickly and I'm like, yeah, okay, that was quite a busy year. <laughs> and can, I can compare, I can compare, you know, what I'm doing now. Obviously now, like, the, the aim of the game is, as you get a bit older, try and get paid a little bit more money and do, not do as quite as many gigs, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> because, you know, so as, as you get older, the traveling side of it, 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 it becomes more draining. When you're in your yeah. 20s, you can just fly, 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 train, drive. And, you know, um, you need less sleep to recover. Um, but, yeah. Um, so what, what is the balance now for you? How many gigs do you want to do? Per, do you want to perform I, one I, I'd like a to, night or do you want to travel around I'd like between to, gigs I'd like to do like really for me like because now I'm trying to write music like I'm um, I mean you can't see here because of the the camera but I'm in my studio now I've got my stuff all around me but it's you know it's, it's facing the other way but mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to find a balance between my MCing at the weekend and then being able to get in the studio in the week and create because if you do too many shows you don't want to get in the studio it's no. it's, it's it's too much it's yeah. too much so if you're doing like five shows a week or something like that I mean I don't think um, I think maybe I could do four or five a week if I wanted to now but I don't it's, it's a different stage of my career for me You know, um, I'm enjoying um, getting my label off the ground and exploring a different style of music at the moment. Um, and it brings a nice bit of balance into, you know, into my love for music. Yeah. Um, 
and I still I think I think I'm aware that if I did too many shows emceeing um, it affects it affects my love for it overall because I think I did start to get a bit burnt I and mean, that's that was the thing with the pandemic I think it came at a good time for me to be honest because I had a nice little reset mm-hmm you know, rested, got back into regular sleep. It made me think about what I wanted to do next because when you're like gigging every weekend, um, unless you're very well organized, you're kind of just, you're living in this kind of week, weekly cycle almost. Yeah. You know, where it's like kind of, um, you know, like a crazy weekend and then rest and recover and then then it's when maybe by the time you recovered and you've done your kind of normal home stuff, you know, caught up with your friends and family, and then it's the middle of the week already. You maybe have two days in the studio, then you're off again. Whereas if I can um, now just do a couple of shows a week, um, normally, which is, you know, one on Friday, one on Saturday, I'm, I, I'm mentally in the right place. To, I could get in the studio on a Monday. Yeah. And I can get so much more done in the week, you know. If um, it wasn't quite the case this weekend, um, <laughs> because um, yeah, it was had a quite a, quite a crazy weekend. Like for example, it was um, me and Breakies drove to Outlook Festival on Friday. That was like I drove, so it's like a four-hour drive up. Played. Um, to, to be clear, it's the UK version, right? Yeah, 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 UK one. So, <laughs> sorry, yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, so up to near Liverpool, which is like a four-hour drive from London, play uh, with Skeptical. Then I had to wait an hour, hour or two, and then play with Break. Then um, I, get a, I get a bus back to the hotel with Randall. I get to sleep about five in the morning, and I have to get up. I have to go to my... It was my brother's birthday party on Saturday. I have to drive all the way to Essex, which is like six hours. Yeah do that then back um and uh, then i had to mc at this uh, exit night which i previously mentioned which was like another so i did like i don't know so i think i did seven and a half hours mc in in the space of 24 hours plus a load of driving uh and then yeah so sunday i was finished and then a month and but normally now i can i can get in the studio on monday And then I've I've got like a nice a nice routine which I've I've worked out um, is something that I need if that makes sense you know and the music the music um, lifestyle if you're um, if you're not careful can can really um, affect your routine and uh, a lack of routine is not good for creativity long term so yeah, yeah I've, I'm trying to just So yeah, that was quite a long, convoluted answer. Um, but yeah, it, it's um, it's now a stage in my career where, like, if I can do say eight gigs in a month, with, you know, four Friday shows and four Saturday shows, that's perfect. Because yeah, and then during the week working on your uh, own productions. And yeah, yeah, working on my own productions. So yeah. it's a nice balance. It's a nice balance. Um, And yeah, I'm enjoying it, which is the main thing, right? It's like you gotta. That's another thing with what I've learned about music. It's like you can you. It's too easy to start 
because you're getting interactions with people and they think they know what you should be doing. Oh, you should do more of that. You should make more tunes like that. You should MC more with him or, you, you know, mm. and he, um, or maybe even your agent or your manager. I don't have, I've never had a manager, but um, they can be telling you what they think you should do to make more, generate more money or whatever. You can easily find yourself in a situation where you're not actually enjoying it as much as you should be. So, you know, I've, I've also um, become aware of that side of things. It's like, listen to your own gut and your own instinct and make sure you're enjoying it because life's short so you've got to be enjoying it first and foremost um, the label uh, Martin so um, yeah. yeah you started at SMC uh, but you've also been producing for a long time um, and also you're DJing nowadays um, what has inspired you to start DJing and making your own music um, I think it was quite I like this yeah it's a it's a good question really because if I'm being really honest um I think if I was afforded the opportunity to have my hands on studio equipment earlier I would have done that I might not have even ever become an MC honestly mm -hmm. like it because you, if you there's certain people I know that you know where I grew up there wasn't any community studios there wasn't any opportunity for that kind of introduction to and in that time it would have been still analog or it was just in the kind of the crossover to to digital production but um for me it's always been in there like i said I, I, i'm just a big um music fan i'm a sponge for music really i always have been you know just soaking it all up so um It was quite a natural progression, really. And I was lucky as well. Like, even when I was just starting my MC career, well, no, when would it be? Not just starting, but uh, the first tunes I made were uh, with MC Verse, who went on to, uh, you know, he was a friend of mine from Renegade Hardware days. Um, but he went on to MC for Pendulum um, and went that way. Um, but he, he showed me the ropes. Uh, in the studio as did uh, Lyndon MC Stamina as well oh, okay. so he was already messing around with production um, and um, around that time that I met Breakage as well like my first tunes I made were 2005 I think maybe 2004 2005 um, but just co-production you know learning the ropes um, and um But I, I, I really got the bug for it, you know, and um, what really, uh, what really um, happened was um, I split up with my ex-girlfriend, yeah, and then I just had loads of time. So I had a couple of years like where I was just feeling sorry for myself, like, you know, probably, um, you know, down in the dumps a little bit, but looking yeah. back at it, um, Oh, great, absolutely brilliant because I stayed in my house. I probably smoked a bit too much weed maybe for a bit. But um um I just got I just got really into um making music. Yeah. And learning and learning production. So and that really from that that period um uh I from that 
that period of really kind of just staying in the studio, you know, um, real um, not many responsibilities and uh, just, you know, I could stay in the studio till six in the morning if I wanted to. And um, whereas nowadays, you know, with more of a family life, um, that's not possible. But, um, yeah. but um, yeah, it was a, a good time for me to get really stuck in. And um, from that came the the dubstep tunes, um, Temper. Yeah. Um, I never felt I never felt too comfortable back then to make drum and bass on my own, and it's only now, really, a long time. I've actually got um, my first drum and bass twelve, just me. You know, no cola, no collaborations, no lyrics. Just two cheat and that's gonna come on Jube's label, uh Carbon. Carbon, yeah. But you've done drum and bass in the past, right? Like I can remember yeah, this tune yeah. called um was it we run this? We run this, yeah. That's yeah, the, that's that that's the only drum and bass tune though that I've done on yeah, my own di- so far. Yeah, Digital Soundboy, was it? Yeah, that was on Digital yeah. Soundboy. The jungly um, bit. Yeah, jungly tune, yeah. yeah. Um before the jungle revival, I uh, hasten yeah. to add. <laughs> You're in on it. I'm always no, nah, I'm always ahead of this. I'm always ahead of it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, it's um, it, it all feels like it was all being part of um, part of the plan, really. And mm-hmm. um, I'm glad in a way. I think I was subconsciously aware that um, you know, you've got to know what you're doing before you make drum and bass and put it out there because it is honestly like it is the hardest music to make technically. Oh yeah, definitely. Technically. And that was what was great about the dubstep scene back then was because it was the dubstep scene was more like the jungle scene in the mid 90s where people were working out what they were doing at the time, you know, and it was it wasn't about mix downs. It wasn't about technical proficiency. It was about the vibes. So I could I could make a tune and, you know, obviously it still had to it had still had to sound okay. don't get me wrong, but. I could just burn a CD and give it to someone like Youngster and he would go and cut it. And then I could go down to Forward, which is like 15 minutes in the car from where I live, and listen to my tune the same day. You know, like finish it on a Thursday, send it to Youngster, he'd cut it, and I'd go and listen to it. And like, that was that was amazing. Um, and yeah, like it, looking back at it, it's all led me to a point of being able to make my music to a better level you know mm. and now I'm starting to feel like right I've got I've got a lot of drum and bass on my computer some of it old some of it new but um, it's more about knowing how to you know um, what would you say the engineering side of stuff the engineer the engineering side is what I, I lacked for a long time and now I'm I'm starting to get to a level where I can mix with the big boys do you know what I mean which is what I've always wanted nice. to do really so, it's a good place to be, isn't it? Well, we're getting there. We're getting there. Yeah. I won't say I'm, I'm um, you know, like um, I wouldn't say I've got any grand ambitions as a drum and bass producer. But what I do want to do is have some music there that you know marks my flag, and people can go, you know what, fucking hell, SP SP can make some tunes as well. So, he knows what he's on about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he knows his but, stuff. But. Are you gonna release drum and bass on your own label? Or I you think save I think um, for other drum. Yeah, other it's labels? a tricky one that because I'm kind of at the I'm kind of at the crossroads with that at the moment where I've got to decide. I think what I may do for now is 
because I've got so many good connections in the drum and bass world, I can probably hook up some of my friends that have labels with tunes. Um, so I think that might be the good thing for now. But obviously, if I make one that I really like, I'm going to keep it for my own label. Of course, yeah. <laughs> um, or something that you know, something that's special to me. Um, but yeah. a lot of a lot of um, a lot of the music. Um, it's I've never I've never I don't try to write music with like oh, I want to make a big tune a banger. It's it's whatever's coming out of me at the time, you know. So I just get in the studio, I gather some samples together. I'm still big on the samples, like a lot of um, a lot of production now is more synthesis based. Mm. Um, but I'm still relatively old school in my approach, you know. Keeps it organic, right? Yeah, and I, 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 I like digging around for stuff. Like I say, I'm still a collector, so yeah. There's, there's there's piles of vinyl and uh, there's a lot of CDs in here as well like well, I buy off Discogs just for certain little breaks or samples or whatever yeah and you know the more obscure the better I'm still I still like really enjoy that side of uh, music production like maybe yeah. finding finding something rare that you know probably nobody else has got their hands on and then trying to create with that yeah yeah, I was wondering um, about your label, Declassified Info. Um, what 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 moved you to start your own label? Right, it's just Declassified, but Declassified Info is the I think the ta- I've still got to set up my website, so I bought the domain. Um, but, but my I, bad. But I, no, it's all good. No problem. Um, so it was it was really um, something that came out of lockdown and the pandemic because um, I made a couple of uh, garage tunes previously that were they were still very much inspired by drum and bass it was it was kind of like a an exercise in trying to fuse fuse some of my influences together so I would always been a fan of uh, the two-step kind of garage stuff, and I saw a lot of similarities in in the way that the beats are structured um, to drum and bass. So I just thought, hang on a minute, like there's never really been like so. The first two tunes, sorry, I'm kind of waffling a bit here, I'm trying to think about how to put it. But yeah, basically, the first two tunes were on. They came out on Youngsters label, Century, and they did really well. Um, we sold a lot of vinyl really for today in terms of today's market so that really kind of um, kind of surprised me in a way and I was like you know this was really a bit of an experiment but it went down really well and what the the, 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 the A side which was a track called Vintage was um, me trying to kind of get some kind of Fotec um production vibe in there and then yeah. the, B, the B side was a tune called Flug, uh, Slugfest and that was me trying to get optical into a garage kind of um, or Ed Rush and optical really you know that wormhole kind of era and look, because I, I, I was just thinking you know what like this this could this could really work and I don't really know of many um, or any tunes 
from the original garage era that sounded like optical, even though they were existing in the same time, you know, the late 90s, early 2000s. So I was just like, this is probably, you know, a good idea. Whether it works or not, we really don't know. But it seemed to, you know, it got, um, we sold like a thousand vinyl of that first century release, which is pretty good in this day and age. Yeah, definitely. Um, it was 2019, wasn't it? I think, yeah, a few years back. And yeah. then from that, doing well, I just thought, you know what, I've got to do more of this. Like, I Because there's more... There's more avenues to explore, you know, fusing my influences from drum and bass and dubstep and and um, putting it into a garage uh, two-step kind of framework. So that was, the, that was the premise, really, for starting the label. It was off the back of the, the 12 that I did for Youngster and that doing well. And I just thought, right, let's do some more. And now I'm, I'm up to... I'm just finishing the fourth release, so we've done three, and they've, they've all sold well. Um, the first couple we did 500 vinyl of each, and they sold out really quickly. The third one, we um, they said like, let's try 700, which is like, which is cool, like because obviously you'd rather hear that than the distributors saying, right, we've got to do 300 of the third one because they didn't do enough in the, you know, didn't do well in the first two. So it's going well, I'm happy. And it's just, um, it's like you said, with, with where Declassified is going to lead, it's, it's, um, it's still to be seen, to be honest, because I haven't really decided. But what I think um, what I think's cool at the moment is it's separate from my drum and bass world yeah. and from my drum and bass work. And like, as I said at the start of the interview, um, that's important to me actually as I get older trying to spread my wings and experiment a little bit um, because it is more rewarding if you and also what's great about it you meet new people you know like now definitely um, you know through me making a few of these garage tunes like I'm getting booked at different places than I would be otherwise and I already you know I I had to um, I did a couple of remixes for a label called uh, Good For You um, which is a, a London label run by a guy called Sam and um, LB, who's one of the original Garage Dons, Groove, Groove Chronicles, LB. If you want to go and look up some of their music, um, yeah, that is amazing. And, you know, LB's still a great producer to this day. And, um, yeah, that, that's been really little rewarding relationship because I got to do, um, remix a couple of really cool tunes. The remixes came out nice. Um, but more importantly for me, getting to meet new people. You know, I had to play before LB at this night in London. I was just thinking, nah, this is, this is the coolest thing about trying something different. You know, I got myself into a different room with different people got to meet some cool some cool guys um music you know musically inspiring and um and like like i said again you can bring all that back into the drum and bass world as well which is what we need more of you know people yeah. ex people experimenting elsewhere and then bringing that in more versatility yeah more you know, yeah yeah more um more different angles more fusion yeah. more fusion and um you're going to get um, some interesting music come out of that. So, yeah, hopefully. 
hopefully works <laughs> down to the uh, listener at the end of the day. <laughs> so you, uh, you said that you have the fourth release ready for your label, right? Pretty much, yeah. It's just nice. at the state, yeah. So, and there's more music as well. It's just sometimes um, with me, I can have two, three tunes sat there. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't it doesn't work as a twelve. So there's 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 quite a lot of stuff that I could have released. I could have probably put a bit more out on Declassified already. But I'm thinking I've done all right. Um, the first release was only um, a year ago. Yeah. Um, so I put two out in quick succession because um, we originally it was going to be an EP, uh, and then we split it into two twelves. The third one came out earlier this year. Yeah. So I'm thinking I'm actually I'm doing all right. There's no point rushing it or overloading. Of course not. But, um, People will wait for sure. Yeah, and and, I mean, and but we it's like having I, I like my I, when I do a twelve and it's two tracks. I like them to complement each other. You know, and it to be like because they're the when I listen back to certain twelves, um, you know, we're having this conversation the other day um, about like the best drum and bass twelves. You know, and um, you know because that's a different question. If you ask somebody like, oh, what's the best tune or the biggest tune?" That's one thing. But like, there are certain twelves that are just amazing. Like I was yeah. saying, like um, you got. Um, for me like growing up it was like um, there was a Fotec 12 which was UFO on one side and Rings Around Saturn on the other side that's up there then there's there's some there's some early virus 12s that you know they really complement each other the A and the B side it's like um, it's it's almost like um, a film and a sequel you know like where they're in the same room but maybe also sometimes you can get a really cool 12 where they're quite different you know, like where you get a yin and a yang kind of. But this is all me. This is my love for vinyl as well. You know, like I was thinking about it today. Like, there's a lot of reasons not to do vinyl anymore. But I'm just thinking, you know what? I'm gonna keep going until it's literally like financially yeah. like <laughs> impossible. At the moment, there's still a little bit of money to be made. It's getting harder because of obviously um, the way we're going at the moment with the world. It's not making anything easier for anyone, but it's a labour of love for a lot of us. And I'm sure Rick could say, you know, guys could say the same about promoting as well. It's not going to get any easier, is it? Because it's only getting um, harder, man. Yeah, but yeah. we still love. It's, we it's st- a difficult time. Yeah, we still love it though, so we've got to try. Mm. Yeah, keep on doing it. For the music, but like a, a pressing vinyl, will take it takes a while nowadays. Yeah, yeah, that's another thing which is frustrating, but. Yeah. Um, at the moment, yeah, we're gonna still we're, we're gonna still try because you know that's that's the culture that um, that born is born me as a as a musician and it, it's still close to my heart. So yeah, we're gonna and keep there's still trying. Still a demand for it, isn't it? Yeah, there's still a demand. Not as yeah. great as in the nineties. I wish it, I wish I could sell fifteen thousand like a lot of my mates did in the nineties, but <laughs> you know those days are gone. Yeah, sadly. <laughs> Um, so where do you see your label in a few years uh, are you planning on releasing only your own tracks or can we expect uh, now, tunes from other, other artists as well I think maybe in the future we'll, we'll, um, we'll open it up to other people and I've already there's already been a couple of tunes that I've heard and thought oh like it's tempting because yeah. it's just really like you know it fits what I've been doing but yeah. I think at the moment it's good as well for me to try and Establish, you know, establish it with my own work 
um, initially and then set a nice foundation and then we'll, 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 we'll hopefully spread our wings in the future. Is it only you that runs the label or do you have help? It's just me really and then um, unearthed um, distribution that help with the distribution yeah. side of stuff. But in terms of, I had um, uh, give up art, um, even though I've worked as a graphic designer and I could, I'm capable of doing it myself. I was mindful to try and um, delegate certain things when I was getting the label set up. Yeah. So yeah, somebody helped me with the initial design, um, so I could just concentrate on focus on um, finishing the music. Um, because yeah, it was it was a strange time the pandemic, but I got actually got a lot done. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Definitely was a weird time. Yeah, and um, it was it was something actually to keep me positive through that weird time as well. So no, I was I knew I was creating um, rather than just you know sat on my ass watching TV. So mm. I was like, right, this yeah, is going to be something to keep my painting to be over. Yeah, right. You know, like keep my mental state positive. And I, I just thought, you know, this is it was the perfect time, you know, to really try and um, you know get creative and get something set up. Probably overdue, to be honest, to get my own label. So, but yeah, yeah. that 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 little um, that little gap in normal normality um, served its purpose for me. Yeah, you had to slow yeah, down uh, and forcefully. Like, you had, you yeah. had to slow down. You you yeah. couldn't do otherwise. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and now post uh, COVID or in the middle of uh, COVID, <laughs> waiting till COVID uh, hits back. Oh, don't. Um, but um, yeah, we have something to look forward to, and that's that is that you're playing on our 985 uh, music event in the Melkweg in Amsterdam. Yeah. I'm looking forward uh, to it. But uh, yeah, it's the 16th of September. But talking about 985 is talking about Alex. Mm. Where did you guys meet? Um, well, when he first moved to London, like I've known him pretty much from, uh, you know, very early in his career. Um, you know, because like we were saying again, like this is a different time then when we're you know like a lot of us used to go to swerve on a wednesday when fabio had it, the swerve residency initially it was at velvet rooms in the west end and then it moved to the end the, but just the second room because it was a wednesday night it wasn't the main room but um yeah i remember meeting alex from those days um so i you know it, it's been pretty cool to see his career develop and you know obviously um He's been on a, a rise pretty much from the start, and it doesn't sh uh, show any st signs of slowing down really either. I mean, he's doing a great job with the label, and um, yeah, I think he's actually coming back over to the UK in about a week's time. So I've not seen him in a couple of years either, obviously due to again uh, the P word. Yeah, <laughs> and um, yeah, so he's been in over in New Zealand. He moved out there. Um, uh, with his girlfriend, yeah, and they're both coming over in a in a week or so. So yeah, it'll be good to catch up with them. Um, and yeah, obviously looking forward to the uh, the curated by night in September because the last one was really good, like memorable. Um, yeah, that was a great yeah, session. It was the last time you played. You played in a, in the Netherlands, or not? It was um, of December 2019. Yeah, that was um, actually. You know what? There was one 
one more time that I played in Amsterdam, and that was with Vivek and Khan. Oh, was it a deep many night? Yeah, um, it was a system night. System, it, yeah. But it was in the same room. It was in the same room. Uh, but that was... So wait, was it... Yeah, that would have been early 2020. Yeah, pandemic hit in March 2020. Yeah, so I think this was like January or February. Okay, yeah. Yeah, but anyway, like oh, it, yeah. that was a good night. That was a good night too, but it wasn't as good as the 985 night. That was like <laughs> that was ring. That yeah, was a, it was a memorable night. And it was it was yeah. Ash and Alex back to back. I think wasn't it? Three hours. Was, yeah. Yeah. That was yeah. Submarine. Yeah. That. But yeah. It, um, Submarine played a great set as well. Yeah. So um, yeah, it was just all round a good night, wasn't it? But yeah, I think Ash, Ash and Alex is uh, a good back to back because their styles complement each other, yeah. and um, you know they both, um, yeah, they kind of they they're not the same, but you know some DJs want to mix slower, yeah. and then some DJs want to mix quicker, but in terms of their tempo, it's quite similar. So they can just keep the energy up and keep it moving so yeah. yeah it works well i'm looking forward to the next one with that with that with that one in the back of your mind the the one yeah. that, at the end of 2019 what, what do you expect from the next one in, uh, in september right well i mean you got to remind me the four, obviously alex is out there again is ash out there again and uh, no, we've got fracture yeah fracture uh monte yorobi i don't know if you've heard of her no uh she's a she's a lady from amsterdam okay uh, she's more into the the breaky football jungle style okay uh and then yourself of course and mc swift am i Wicked. missing someone i don't think so right no i think yeah. no that's it no yeah. yeah well with with fracture um he's always gonna bring he's got you know for me his own style almost i can kind of spot a fracture tune even if it's somebody else playing it yeah so um that will be cool because he's quite versatile as well so you know depending on what he wants to do or um you know who's playing after he can switch it different ways so it might be a bit more jungly or like you said it could be a little bit more on the footwork mm. kind of juke side of things yeah and he's good at he's good at um fusing uh genres together as well kind of like yeah. what i was talking about with what i'm trying to do in my level like where you're taking influences from different scenes and put them in the pot you know and uh you always get interesting results doing that yeah but, but yeah no with that we, we with with the with the night as a whole I'm, I'm sure um the tickets are doing all right already i'm sure we're getting there even though it's a few months yeah away. It's, it's it's in the max so it's in a big room this time all right yeah we are, we've moved to the, the last one was so successful that we've moved from the small room which is 650 capacity to the main room which is 1200 so all oh, right so we still got some and tickets this to sell. Is, uh, <laughs> we have to, uh, the, uh, the pre-sale is going very well yeah, so brilliant. um and we're doing a special t-shirt collaboration release with uh, 985 more info on that soon that. well probably by the time this yeah. is out it's already oh, cool. enough. it depends but, yeah. on when we release this uh, <laughs> okay this cool so but uh, i think it's time to move to the last question and it will be a tough one all right but uh, might I yeah. Guess. So uh, we always like to ask this uh, question to uh, our guests. Oh, I'm um, nervous now. <laughs> you have the chance <laughs> to create the last album on earth, the last ever album. Your last album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, 
for this, you can invite anyone to work with, uh, either dead or, dead or alive. This could be your peers, your pupils, your idols, uh, musicians, producers, singers, etc. Um, who would you invite and why? And also, what would you name this project? Oh, wow. Well, there's a few... Oh. You can let it marinate for a, for a minute. Yeah, yeah. Give me a second. You're going to have to give me a second for that. Well, so this is my project, yeah, that I'm the kind of, I'm, I'm yeah. producing. I yeah. can bring anyone. It's your dream project. Yeah, so I've got to be Quincy Jones and bring everyone together, right? Okay, that's Basically, a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, well, I've got a lot of different influences. So I think without um, overcomplicating it, I, feel, I should do it a little bit more like um, the quick the quick fire and just think of some of my my biggest influences in a different scene so um i got look my my favorite producers i always in in drum and bass always said have uh i'm gonna i'm gonna say optical dillinger fotek out of the um the i would call the original you know the first generation mm. um and then in um out of the more recent producers um, in that scene, uh, who am I going to go for? I've got, to, I've got, to, I've got to go. Debridge, Caliber. Um, we'll go Alex, Ash, Skeptical. Sorry. Um, <laughs> um, who else? Right. My, um, couple more from DMB. My favourite producers at the moment. I've got to big up Halogenics he's making some of the best stuff so we'll get him on board um right now let's go um my favorite 140 producer is probably komodo oh yes big yeah. fan yeah amazing so we've got to big him up get him on um also from that scene, um, I think my favourite producer when I first started here in dubstep was probably Loafer. So, for his early stuff on Deep Medi um, and DMZ. Um, so, yeah, we're going to big them up, get them on. Um, Vocalist-wise, um, I can pick anyone, dead or alive, right? Yes, right, anyone. So yeah, yeah. Well, so we're going to get Prodigy on because that's one one of my favourite MCs ever from Mob Deep, uh, who passed away sadly. So we're going to resurrect Prodigy for this. He's going to come back for that, man. Yeah, <laughs> and um, <laughs> a couple of my other favourite MCs out of anyone, you know, just top tier for me. I'm going to go with Jest from the UK. I'm not sure whether you're familiar with him. Yes, but I've amazing, heard of him for sure. Amazing yeah, yeah. MC. Yep. Um, who else am I going to go with? Um, I think um, other producers as well that I just think were amazing. This is another one that um, sadly is not with us anymore, but we're going to resurrect. If it's a dead or alive question, uh, King Tubby, like the original, you know, dub version, instrumentalist. Yeah. Um, which is so influential in all of the culture that followed on. Um, Big legacy as well. Yeah. Um, and then a couple of my favourite producers. Um, I'm going to show, like I said, I previously mentioned LB, uh, and also you know formerly Groove Chronicles. But yeah, we're going to big up LB. Um, yeah, another another great. 
Um, maybe. Yeah, we've got to get and we've got to get GQ on there. And um, we're going to get DRS on there. We're going to get MC Conrad from the Good Looking Days. That's I think they're my probably my three favourite drum and bass MCs. So just to let that be known, let's yeah. get let's give those three like concrete respect. So GQ, DRS, Conrad. Um, I think that's enough. Yeah, any think, any, you know, we, any musicians, yeah, women. Musicians no, or women? Yeah, it's only only right, you guys. Right, thing. right, right, okay, okay. Like so, Lauren Hill, yeah, straight away. Because <laughs> all previous, no, we've got to go back to the previous questions. You're uh-huh. right, though. Okay, in this day and age, that was pretty um, boy heavy, wasn't it? But you know, like, um, let's um, my favorite singers. Other female, yeah, my favorite other female um, singers. I would say Nina Simone because Bolton was one of my favourite tunes ever, um, and we're gonna uh, we're gonna shout out um, who else are we gonna go for? Amy Winehouse, rest in peace. One other yeah. one of my massive, you know, like obviously this is theoretical. People listening at home are like, okay, yeah. But you know, we're just talking theory it's, it's here. It's a right? big album, a thirty-track album, I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, no, but like, I thought this was just an opportunity, maybe as well, to um, an opportunity just again to, to salute some of my influences because yeah. some, you know, if you get the opportunities, this is what you know. This is an opportunity, really, for for people to maybe hear where I'm coming from and who I look up to. So it's always nice to just, even though it's slightly unrealistic. Uh, um, um, names to yeah. get it all together, but like you know, they, they, that's that's some of my favourite musicians, and um, yeah, I think it wasn't a bad list. Um, but the name now, Not we're going on to a name. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> what do we call it? Um, well, like I said, let's call it World of Music because that's my current thing that, um, like, I like to look at. And like I said previously, you know. Um, there is a world of music out there and it's good to have a look around. Uh, it's good to travel about. So let's say that as a th- because that's kind of like what yeah. I'm trying to keep in mind at the moment as well. Is yeah. like, um, it's uh, as with, as with uh, the world itself in its truest sense, it's good to travel around and with, with a little bit of um, travel and experience comes the knowledge, you know? Yeah. So, so yeah, let's call it that, world of music. That's a proper name, man. Yeah, very cool. That's a that's a nice conclusion of the and the end of the podcast. Thank okay. you, uh, Stu. Oh no, for pleasure. making time for us on a on a on a Tuesday evening. Yeah, nice, no, all good. Um, yeah. So um, the 16th of September, curated by 985 Music with SPMC, Alex Perez, Fracture, Monty, uh, Skeptical, Yorobi, and Swift. No skeptical. That. No Skeppy. What? Is Skeppy real? Then I missed oh, him. Oh, is there a skeptical? Yeah, sure. I missed him before then. Then I missed him. Oh, the Skeppy is playing. Of course. Is, oh, yeah. brilliant. Yeah, sure. Yeah. All right. So let's do that again. Let's, let's do that, do that again. Yeah, five then in I, Amsterdam without. Then I missed the artist before. My bad. Um, it's not. I missed no, him in my notes. It's okay. It's okay. All right. So 16th of September, Melkweg Amsterdam. Be there. Thank you very much, Maarten. Stu. Pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. You're tuned in to the Curated by Podcasts.